Hello, my beautiful high spots and cheat pops family. This is Silicon Steve Valley, the Silicon One, talking about AEW Dynamite as I try to do every single week. And obviously, I'll take care of things after the pay-per-views as well. So we're trying to get into a normalcy thing. We've uh, we recorded one last week, but really the content, because the structure wasn't up to par, so we didn't want to release it. But um, we are ready to roll right now. And I'll tell you what, the lead has got to be the evolving story intertwining the biggest wrestling companies in the world that aren't named WWE. And if you missed AEW Dynamite, it's Friday now, so hoping you guys saw it. If you did miss AEW Dynamite, you haven't caught it on DVR or Hulu or what have you, turn off and skip this whole episode. I mean, why would you listen to a Dynamite review? That's a pretty stupid assumption of me that you even clicked on this. Silicon Steve Alley should not smoke weed before doing uh, podcasts, just that just that simple. You got to do it during. For those of you who did not see this camera, silicon one, legally smoking medical marijuana in California, Silicon Valley, obviously. I'm currently in Silicon Valley. Because I wouldn't be able to do this anywhere else. So, Let's get it kicked off, folks. If you didn't see it, the the lead of this whole entire situation is, quite frankly, Kenta, New Japan Pro Wrestling, under contract, not working exclusively with any company in the United States anymore. If you don't know who Kenta is, do you remember Hideo Otami? That's Kenta. He was the guy that CM Punk stole his finisher from little bit of story on that. But you look at him, you wouldn't think he's been around that long, but the guy is really one of the best Japanese wrestlers, particularly in how he sells emotions, particularly as a heel. He's been absolutely badass. And so, anyways, enough about Kenta. His right-now storyline is feuding with John Moxley for the New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Championship. And Moxley, because of COVID and other reasons, really hasn't been around New Japan. So Kenta's been there every single week. He's been calling him out. So at the finish after tonight, after the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega got the win, there was a melee afterward, and Moxley was about to lay the beat down on Omega, and then out comes a stranger, masked, what have you, beats down Moxley, reveals to be Kenta, and he unveils his jacket, and underneath his jacket is a go-to-sleep club, bullet club shirt. Official merchandise from official from an official member of the bullet club, the actual bullet club from New Japan. So we have been speculating. In fact, there was massive speculation about a month and a half ago, two months ago, that Kenta was going to show up for the possibly for the Omega Moxley championship match. And Kenta was going to show up to that, but they didn't. It was very similar to how you heard the buzz about Sting back in September and they waited. And then when Sting finally showed up, it was a surprise. So for the record, 
internet guys, internet dorks like myself, if we start speculating and if there's too many of us speculating, they're not going to do it just because we're running our mouths too much. <laughs> I really do believe that about AEW. It's like, oh, dude, they think Sting's coming tonight? You know what? We're going to postpone it. Screw AEW fan marks who are trying to ruin this. Just sit back and relax and enjoy it kind of deal. So that's going to open up a, a just a, a, an insane amount of possibilities here, folks. And if you don't know, this is happening. This is actually happening. This was just the beginning. New Japan has agreed, and obviously it's not going to be part of the storyline, and we have no idea what's going to happen. But New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW have bonded in some kind of partnership in terms of intertwining superstars. Oh, sorry. I meant pro wrestlers. I forgot. I covered WWE for many years. So think about that. And then you just start thinking about all the possibilities. And quite frankly, folks, we know the wrestling matches are going to be uh, absolutely top notch. Other than Luke Gallows, there's not a person that's involved yet that can't put on one of the best matches you'll ever see. Gallows has his size and his personality. He doesn't need to be a guy that goes five stars. Machine Gun Carl Anderson, United States fans don't know. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and you would never know it because of how he was treated with WWE and how he was booked. That was the problem with the Good Brothers. It wasn't because they couldn't get over. It was because they, there weren't a lot of good matches, and you didn't care about the tag team division. So... And obviously, we know about the Young Bucks. We know about Kenny Omega. We know about Kenta. If you don't know about Kenta, he's obviously brilliant bell to bell as well because they're not speaking much English. The WWE took him in. So think of it that way. So that's the big work. That's the insanity. And it really is something that has been absolutely crystallized. And I don't know if this is all from Don, Don Callis and Kenny Omega's brain. When this story is told, and we're just in the beginning. This, folks, we are coming in uncharted territory. This has never happened in modern wrestling. This is kind of akin, but a reversal of the supercard. If you remember, that went up against, I believe, the first WrestleMania. And all the territories got together and had a big card against WrestleMania. It bombed. WrestleMania became WrestleMania. And history obviously shows who won that one. So here's the reality, folks. Every wrestling fan, whether they're younger or older, that just don't like the bubblegum Disney world that WWE is. The pop music, the Britney Spears, the NSYNC, with all due respect, there's a place for that. But now we're seeing boundaries completely blown off the hinge. And a guy like myself who's been following New Japan Pro Wrestling for the better part of five years. Now, which, is my, which was my very favorite promotion for, for quite a while there. In terms of, ever, you know, particularly during the Kenny Omega era when he was running Bullet Club. New Japan was easily my favorite professional wrestling. 
And then my favorite wrestlers who really want to change the way professional wrestling is marketed to the mainstream. These guys got together and they built this company and it's been my absolute favorite wrestling company in 20 something years. And yes, I'm going to be that old guy that says, yes, the attitude arrow was the last time I loved wrestling like this, but it's the truth. And I admit that. And I'm not the only one, folks. If you remember CM Punk back in 2011, I didn't even know much about CM Punk, but what he said spoke to so millions of wrestling fans who miss what WWE used to be. And here these guys go betting on themselves with Cody and Kenny and, and they, they run and they do what they did with All, Out, All In. Tony Khan took notice. And Tony Khan has let these boys play. And Kenny Omega and company are doing something. They're, the starting it has started that is going to be historic. There's no way around it. It already is historic. No disrespect to Impact Wrestling. I didn't really give a shit. Sorry. It was cool to see Gallows and Anderson be themselves again. It was cool to see them being who they were when WWE signed them, not whatever they were. And I'll tell you what, there is absolutely, it's, it's unfathomable. I have no idea what they're going to do. That's the other thing. We have been so used to picking and guessing and knowing exactly what we're watching. WWE doesn't throw surprises at us too often, folks. They don't. Not often enough. Goddamn, not often enough. That's why us smart marks started getting an attitude on Twitter and started being mean on Twitter and started, you know, tweeting something absolutely horrifying that you would never say in front of your kid to a wrestler who you'd never say in front of their face. But that's why. That's why we've done that. I'm not saying I've done that because I wouldn't just because if I ever meet that person, I, not because I'm going to get beat up because he, he wouldn't beat you up. It's just they would look at me and say, why would you talk to another human being like that? But people do do it. And the reason they do it is because of expectations they've had for WWE. And it's not WWE's fault that they're disappointing you because your expectations are better. Oh, Samoa Joe's going to be there. I can't wait to all the great championship matches he's going to have. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe FTR's in the main roster. It's gonna, The tag team division is going to take off. Sting and The Undertaker? Oh, that would be amazing. It's been a long time, folks. It's been a long time. So if you are placing unrealistic expectations on WWE booking and you're still watching and bitching, shame on you. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I ain't going to get fooled again. So just wanted to make that observation. This is something Uncharted Waters, folks. We, I don't, The storylines are going to be incredible. It looks like the... And, and, you see the intermingling of storylines. It started with Tama Tonga a couple weeks back after they did the, the, the two suite in the middle of the ring after 
uh, after they got all they all got together. Then Tamatanga talks shit on him on his Twitch episode. And Tamatanga acknowledge him. They're, they're, they're Twitter beefing. They're really interacting. And folks, it's acting like it's a real beef. Like you think it's completely a shoot. Jay White even comes back when a lot of speculation that he was going to go to WWE. Maybe this is something that kept him around because he gets to work now and be the star that stir the, that straws the drink in, in the Bullet Club. But I have a theory that Jay White's going to be ousted from the Bullet Club once Kenny takes complete domain over everything. I really believe this is happening, folks. You're going to see all these little subdivisions of this storyline progress. Jay White, Kenny Omega with Jay White as a babyface? Take my money. Oh, how about this? And I know this is the obvious one. Okada Omega on American soil for the AEW championship. I mean, I it, it it's incredible. And the storylines that are going to come out of this, and I'm talking about promos and all the contents there. If you don't follow Kenny Omega on Instagram, you're not doing it right. Because if you don't know this, and I'm releasing it right now, I'll let you know, Kenta from New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to tag team with Kenny Omega and fight John Moxley and Lance Archer next week on Dynamite. So a New Japan Pro Wrestling talent contracted exclusively for them. Boom. It is fucking happening and parting my language. So I am extraordinarily excited. And quite frankly, we got Don Callis, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, some of the greatest minds in the business that the business has ever seen have I believe this is a storyline and I believe this is a story that has been written and we got about at least a year, two years worth of television out of it. And I am absolutely, I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about how, how this is going to be. And you know what? It's fun. It's fun to kind of guess what's happening. And what's fun about this is you still don't know because AEW, when you think you have them figured out and they'll still do what you thought they were going to do to begin with, but it still surprises the shit out of you. They have done it in such a way. And I know we're putting over AEW to a ridiculous extent, but that's what the show is. It's AEW Dynamite. And this was one of the strongest episodes they've had in a while, but they've had, no, I can't even say that because every, other than last week, which I thought was a little too impacty for me, if that makes any sense, they had just been knocking every single episode out of the park, particularly since Kenny turned. So we're going to go into all the stuff that happened in AEW Dynamite, but I certainly did not want to bury the lead. Kenta is now wrestling in AEW. And that is just the beginning. I don't know how far they're going to go in. Is, are we going to see a guy like Naito? If you're into New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know exactly who he is. I think Okada's a shoo-in. Jay White's a shoo-in. You know, all the Bullet Club's going to be involved in somehow, some way. And just other reactions to what's happening, folks. Now that officially the, a Bullet Club, an actual Bullet Club member has now joined with Kenny Omega, that means Tama Tonga and the Young Bucks played us like idiots. Anyone that didn't believe it was a shoot, and I didn't. So congratulations. And I, that's the kind of honesty you're going to get from me, folks. When they outsmart me, I'm going to say kudos. 
And especially after Nick Jackson, if you watched Being the Elite this past week, he looked dead in the camera. He said, no, this is a shoot. We're never working with them. Okay. That, that thing by Nick Jackson, because he's the guy. Nick Jackson is the guy who you probably believe over anybody. He just, he just because he doesn't speak quite as much. His promos, you know, Matt's the guy who does a lot of the talking. So when Nick Jackson actually speaks, you really listen. It's like, oh, shit, what's Nick saying? And he said it, and so you believed it. And that was just using his, you know, and they and he knows it. And I really, and, I, and this might not, they may not be this smart, but I feel like they do all these little things to throw us off because they know the marks are out there. And we're going to try to figure it out, and then we're going to tweet about it. And then we're going to tell everybody, I told you. You're going to retweet yourself five times. Look what I told you. I know that happens because I do it. But we're going to get into the uh, the, the rest of, of Dynamite right now, folks. And, and I'm just getting seeing tweets as we're coming in, folks. Thank you for tweeting at us uh, at Real Steve Valley on Twitter. It's actually High Spots of Cheap Pops. And I'm actually getting tweets right now because I've been discussing this throughout the day on Twitter. And Finn Balor and Adam Cole have both tweeted support of this Bullet Club storyline. I don't think, I don't know if AJ Styles did, but there's been a lot of interaction between Finn Balor, Tomatonga. Tomatonga tweeted at him that the door's always open. So this is, this is breaking. This is the hottest thing that is, is happening in professional wrestling, and it's just the beginning. That was really kind of akin to the Scott Hall. I think we're going to look back on that more so than the Good Brothers debut. You're going to look back at that moment as the moment. And you just, it was the same exact kind of moment, folks. It was a similar vibe. You didn't know what Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were going to do, but you knew it was going to be good. And what they did was change the professional wrestling world with the NWO. You are getting the sense. I'm not saying it's going to be a faction thing because obviously there's going to be comparisons between Bullet Club and and New and the NWO New World Order, the New World Order, as uh, my buddy Alex Jones would say. What you are seeing, I think, Kenta showing up is akin to Scott Hall showing up. It's just setting the table for some brilliant, brilliant storyline writing. The only difference is these guys have creative outlook that's going to glass a lot more than a couple. They're not going to bring back the same storyline in four years. There won't be any finger poke at death. They're not going to run out of ideas, these guys. Incredible. Strap in your seatbelts, folks. AEW is showing you how it's done. So the night... So actually, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more... AEW Dynamite Review by High Spots Cheap Pops. This is Silicon Steve Alley. We are just getting started. We're going to go into the entire night right now when we come back. And here's a quick word. Hi, do you masturbate too much? Ha, me too. So what you need to do is no fap February. That's right. No fapping. If you know what fapping means, that means not masturbating. I've lasted three days so far, and I feel horrible. This is just a word. This is just a medical word from a guy who is not a doctor. 
This is Silicon Steve Valley, and here are some more high spots and cheap ops. That guy does great promos. That was really brilliant. Uh, the video will prove that I did that off the top of my head, and I had no idea what I was doing. It was just a stall. I don't know if I'm going to leave this. I don't know if I'm going to leave that in the recording or not. We'll see. But uh, the night started off with the with uh, one of the more underrated storylines that we're seeing right now. The tag team title, a battle royal. The winner would get a shot at the tag team titles at Revolution. If the Young Bucks had won, they pick their opponent, and they allude to picking the Good Brothers. Which I still contend the Young Bucks are turning heel. It's not even going to be clear. They might commit to this and say, oh, no way, no way. But they're going to turn heel at the, mo- at the craziest time. Or it'll be really quick, one or the other. It'll either be in the summer or it'll be at Revolution. But who knows what they're going to do, though. So it was a good battle royal. Um, the Young, the Good Brothers did get involved and cause a little bit of a riff with Matt Jackson. That story progressed a little bit and winning. And at the end with the finish winning, this was Chris Jericho and MJF and why this is significant. There were three members of the inner circle was Sammy Guevara, who you figured would be the one and MJF and Jericho. MJF had been eliminated previously. So they had one of the kids from Top Flight in there. And I don't know his name off the top of my head. I think he was one of the kids from Top Flight. And it was Jericho, Sammy, and the kid from Top Flight. So Sammy was kind of engaging with the kid from Top Flight toward the robes. And it was the old, he dumped them, he dumped them both out. Actually, it was a good finish, though. He dumped Sammy out, trying to dump both of them out. Sammy went out first, and then the dude tried to do something from the apron when he was already over the top rope, which is on the apron, and then a Judas effect to end the match, knock him down to the floor. And so that sets up Jericho and MJF, M2J. I don't know how you'd combine them. But anyways, Jericho and MJF against the Young Bucks, which I'm really looking forward to. That's going to be a great match. That's going to be a premier match, folks. It's going to be interesting to see Jericho keeping up with these kids. He's not going to try, though. Oh, by the way, I wanted to uh, bring this up. I brought it up last week when Jericho didn't hit the prettiest moonsault. I said to everybody, look, Jericho can hit a moonsault. He just landed weird. I said it, and I was like, if Jericho can do it, he's going to do it the next chance he can and shut everybody up. And that's exactly what Chris Jericho did. I've been watching this dude for almost 30 years, that 25, 26 years. I knew what he was doing. I knew what this kid was doing. I call him a kid. He's five years old, seven years older than me, eight years. Shit, he's old. But he's still at, still as relevant as, as relevant as ever. So Sammy looked pissed off. They go to the back. Sammy looked really angry. And then we'll fast forward later in the night. What happened was Jericho is extraordinarily happy walking around with MJF. They run into Alex Marvez. They clown Marvez. They go into the inner circle dressing room with the camera. And Sammy was questioning Jericho. He's like, are we all, are we really, did we all win really, Chris? Because we got eliminated. You know, when, did, when do we get our shot? Basically, Sammy's complaining. 
saying that it's always been about Jericho in, in any way, shape, or form. Sammy, Sammy leaves. Jericho follows him to try to talk to him. And this is interesting. And I had this, an assumption that we might see MJF try to do this, try to muscle his way as the leader of the inner circle. He tells Wardlow to escort the camera out. MJF says, all right, boys, I think it's high time we have a little chat. So there's something happening there that Jericho and Sammy, who are going to be the baby faces after, after all this. Jericho's going to have a great baby face run when this is over, too. And this might be coming sooner than later. And that is where they were at. So that leaves it wide open. Obviously, the first thing I what I what I would suggest is probably gonna happen is you're gonna see them lose to the Young Bucks at Revolution. And then that's gonna cause MJF and the inner circle that he's talking about would be Wardlow, Hager. And uh, Santana and Ortiz so turn on Sammy and Jericho. Maybe they attack Jericho and Sammy comes out and tries to stop them. And then they turn on Sammy, something like that, which would be great. But that almost seems too obvious, but we'll see what happens. So that, that's that storyline has progressed. And I am such an underrated storyline. What's happening right now. Some brilliant stuff happening really. And it's making all these different stars especially Sammy and, and MJF was already made. This is really going to help Sammy get to that next level. When he leaves the inner circle, you saw it when he had a quick brush with kind of being a baby face in a couple matches, a couple, uh, a couple few weeks ago, Sammy has it. And he and MJF, they feuded with each other for years already. Now they can do it on a national stage. I've never seen their feud. I cannot wait. And I'm not going to do myself a fit. I'm not going to go back and see what they did five years ago. I want to see what their characters are doing now. And what they're going to do on this national stage. It's going to be the best thing they ever did. You know, don't forget. Neither of them are even 30 years old yet. I'd like to see Sammy bulk up a little bit, but he's already, I think, 28. So if, he's, if he was going to do it, I think it would have happened by now. But it's not like it's necessary anymore. So after that, you had a really fantastic women's match. It was probably one of my favorite women's match matches that they've had Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa loses rebel got involved who I, I, I put rebel over all the time. She absolutely is so entertaining. Cute as a button too. I don't mean like in a sexual way, but her, uh, she just is adorable. Like the energy she puts in and the fun she's having. Um, she's just adorable. I, I love her. I love her to death. And, um, I just think her energy is awesome. And they are really starting to play each other off. Not starting. They've been doing it for a while, but they're getting a bigger spot now that that Britt Baker is healthy. And the chemistry between those two are great. Waiting room, the whole thing. I'm, I'm a huge fan. And it was a great match. Made Thunder Rosa look great. Looked, made her look like a badass, even though that she lost. It was a rebel had did the old undoing one of the turnbuckles and then Britt Baker turned into an advantage. What's interesting about that, just because it happens, you never know who's going to get it. It could be the heel or the baby face who gets the head, the head to the, to the exposed steel. They went with the heel getting the victory this time. Uh, Thunder Rosa was completely knocked out from hitting the, the steel. She put her in. I forget the name of Britt Baker's funeral. That's why I'm talking about smoking weed when you're on, on camera. <laughs> The uh, is it called the tooth decay? He's giving it a tooth decay. 
I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's something to do with being a dentist. I'm positive. But what have you? It was a great match. Absolutely great match. Uh, and that's all I got to say about that. I thought really did a good job getting Britt over. I really want Britt to win this Eliminator tournament. I really want her to win the championship. I think she's arguably the, one of the best in-ring performers in terms of how she tells a story. She doesn't do all the fancy flips. She doesn't do all that shit, but she does everything else she does in the way she moves. She works ring psychology brilliantly, and she just looks like she can fight, and and that's why I love Britt. I'm really hoping she finally gets her shot. What I love about AEW, too, is that they didn't really go with any of your traditional champions to start out. Jericho is pretty obvious. I thought Jericho was going to be Jericho or Omega. Um, but everyone thought it was going to be Omega, but it wound up being Jericho. And then Omega had a run with tag team champion, but Jer- Omega just – the company's almost two years old. Omega has fi- finally got the, the world championship. Young Bucks, it was almost two years. And Britt Baker was the chosen one in the women's division in the beginning of this of this company. And she hasn't even gotten it yet. I think this is her time, though. I think Britt Baker's done such great work. She's come back. I like how the fact they made her work an angle or two when she came back so she doesn't just get thrusted into the championship. I, I, unless, you know, I don't know. I, I like someone that hasn't just because it's Britt Baker and she was supposed to be great. I like how they make these stars seemingly earn it. And uh, just another good way of uh, long-term booking by AEW. And the next segment we got, of course, one of my, and I hate, hate wedding segments typically, but we had the Penelope Cruz and Kip Sabian wedding. And I'll tell you what, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Check it out. I'm not going to. It was just a lot of funny things were said and a lot of funny things happened. They did their job. There were some cliches. But what was funny is Miro probably made me laugh more than he ever has in his career. And I'm being honest. Miro was he kept on alluding to. I've seen these weddings. These weddings go bad before because he's been part of like two or three, you know, weddings. <laughs> with Lana and him and Lana and whatever. So it's like, I've seen how these, th- these things turn out. So he kept on making jokes about that. And it wound up being a really good segment. I don't, you know, whatever. It, it was a lot shorter than I thought it was supposed to be. They got, probably had their reasons. Maybe Trent's coming back earlier. Maybe they didn't like where it was going. But either way, it just further builds heat between Orange Cassidy, the best friends cl- crew, and the super bad crew. But Miro and Kip Sabian, I think, are going to break up soon, too. Uh, there was a couple times. Miro tried to make it about himself, too, so he, so he maintained his heelish type of deal. But when Kip Sabian hit him by accident, Miro was pissed. He looked like he was going to hit him, but Miro was chained. So you just got to watch it. I, I don't want to give away all the funny stuff. It, even if you hate wedding segments, go back and watch it. It's pretty funny. It's, it really is. They did, a, they did a good job with it. All the every, all the parts, the the... The preacher who's legendary. Oh, his name is forgetting me. Cause, but he was great. He was probably my favorite part, to be honest with you. And uh, that was great. Uh, they furthered the storyline between Cody Rhodes and Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq. 
And Shaq made me laugh when he called him Cupcake Cody. But Shield has this thing called the Black Tornado, and it's horrible. And then <laughs> he just made me laugh, like, oh. And then he's, and he's like, he puts his face like, yeah. So I guess that was something that he did on a TNT basketball night or what have you. So there's that. So Shaq and Cody, Jade and Red Velvet, that match is happening. It's going to do what it needs to do, get eyes on the product. I could care less, to be honest. You know, I don't like, I never did. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge New York Giant fan for the football team Giants. I didn't want to see LT Bigelow ever because I want to see a real wrestling match. So I'm more interested in seeing what Jade does in the ring because she is a specimen and she's a big, badass heel in that division. And she has a mouth on her. So I'm really interested to see what she does uh, at her career. Red Velvet. I'm kind of, she seems like she got some skill. We'll see what's up with that. I don't know enough about her to make any judgment calls. And uh, Cody will, I'm sure will work very close with Shaq. Shaq's been flirting with working with the WWE before he made an appearance at WrestleMania. I think he went toe to toe with the big show kind of deal. And he might've closed on the big show. I'm not sure, but um, this is something Shaq's been wanting to do for a while. So, hey, it's going to do its job. Like I said before, you're going to get a lot more people's eyes on this product, and it's going to be a little bit better. See, if you can get eyes on the product, but if you're not putting out good content, they're not going to stay, which I think you saw that with, with Impact Wrestling quite a bit. Now, obviously, their, their ratings are still good because you still have AEW wrestlers showing up there, but I watched Impact, and I, it didn't move me to say, okay, I got to watch this every Tuesday or, or DVR it. just didn't. So, but AEW is doing so many great things. This is going to be a really, this was a great time to do this. I mean, they could have done it out of the shoot. They could have done it a year ago, a year and a half ago, probably. But they wanted to get a little bit of a background to get a little bit of content for themselves and context for him to come in. And now, you know, they're looking to go over a million every single week. That's, that's the goal. I'm sure they may not say it out loud, but that's what AEW wants. They want Dynamite over a million every week. That is one of them. That is a short-term goal. It's not a long-term goal. And it's going to take time. This is not, you know, it's not like WCW that basically inherited the entire NWA history. Even though they technically weren't the NWA anymore. Moving right along. So that's so if you're into celebrities and if you're a big Shaq fan and you want to see that, that's great. But I mean, I don't need to see Snoop Dogg or, or Bad Bunny or any other dude jump off the top row of them, except for Pat McAfee. He's cool. He's he's a, he's a professional wrestler. He just doesn't know it yet. Uh, and then next next time we had a, a rematch from last week: Kingston versus Archer. Kingston Archer goes over this time, um, and it's just a matter of time before Jake turns on Archer. It'll probably happen in a big time feud. It might even happen next week. So they're really trying to get Jake over or not Jake uh, trying to get Lance over as a baby face. I'm a huge Lance Archer fan for a big man. So agile and cuts a badass promo. And especially with a crowd when, you know, just comes in and wrecks people. It's a pretty badass situation. 
So he wins. It's a lumberjack match. It was an entertaining match. Not going to spend too much time on it, but Kingston loses. Archer goes over avenging the week before. And FTR then, they shot to a quote by Tony Schiavone, a disturbing video from the back. I think it was Schiavone. And it was Tully and FTR, just classic vintage Tully Blanchard situation. And they basically kidnapped Marco Stunt and tortured the shit out of him. So that's what's happening. I don't know if, if Marco Stunt is still kidnapped or not. I have no idea. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested. And I have not seen his Luchasaurus grown his horns back. I don't know if we – Luchasaurus was there last week, so never mind. That's amazing. <laughs> so FTR is kidnapping people now. and But the reason they kidnapped Marco Stunt is because they were banned from competing in the tag team Battle Royal earlier in the night, which I forgot to say. And if I can switch to storyline real quick, FTR gets fucked over by AEW management a lot. Let's pretend like I, I that, that you know I don't know this is a, a work. FTR really does get fucked, dude. Tully was banned for what? For being a manager, and they were not allowed to compete for the world champions for a shot at the world championship because of extracurricular activity that happens in every other segment. Bullshit! Stop keeping Tully and FTR down, you sons of bitches! I see what's happening. It's not this. My wife likes that one. Hope I didn't say that out loud. Anyways, back to Shootland. Hello. I'm back in the shoot, folks. So after the FTR thing, we had uh, Joey Janela who can cut a badass promo, cut a badass promo last night. It actually got me somewhat excited. I wouldn't say excited, but it's going to be a really good match. Darby Allen and Janela, long history. And uh, they get to do it for a major championship on the national stage for the first time. So congratulations to those two guys. I don't see Darby Allen losing at all. I think they're going to have a great match, a very violent match. And it's going to be a good way to get Janela over the next level. But at the end of the day, you're going to still see the continuing build between Team Taz and Sting and Darby. I'd like to see a beat down by Team Taz yet because right now they look like bitches. They're always running away. They're always, they're never standing up for themselves. <laughs> and, and not that they should, you know, Sting's got a bat. I get that. It's cool. And they're heels. So you want them not to be badass MFers. But, you know, it's been Sting just walking out with a bat a lot. And I just kind of want to see Sting get beat up a little bit. Not that I don't I love Sting. I do. But <laughs> it's kind of the same old, same old. Some off, some off. Uh, and then, uh, so this this episode flew by because the main event was, that was the last thing before the main event. That was around 9.30 when that went to commercial. So you were going to have a tag, a six-man tag match with, Jesus, some of the best wrestlers you'll ever freaking see. John Moxley speaks for itself. Pac speaks for itself. Ray Phoenix speaks for itself. Kenny Omega speaks for itself. So you have four possibly people already know four of the top, you know, 10 workers in the world. <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. They're in this match. 
And then Carl Anderson is a fantastic wrestler as well. We just don't know it on an, on an American North American national stage yet. And then you have Luke Dallas, who's six foot nine or whatever, badass looking MF. -er. And it did not disappoint. Brilliant match. Finish was Kenny going over on, I believe it was Phoenix. It might have been Pac, though. But that wasn't the, the big deal. It was a great match, though. Great. It was as good as you're going to see. A great six-minute match. Great spots. Omega did the paradigm shift. Omega or uh, Moxley did a cutter. So they, they threw a lot of little wrinkles in there. It was, it's look, that that's the one cool part that you're going to have so many more shows where Kenny Omega is the last match of the night and whoever he's working with, because you're always going to have an exceptional match. You're always going to see a little wrinkle that no one's seen before, no matter what it is. They go beyond like, when was the last time John Moxley threw a cut cutter? And you ever saw John Moxley throw a cutter? It was an, it was out of nowhere. Like literally, it was it, it reminded me of Randy Orton. But and that's where we're at, folks. And then you and obviously after the match, after some celebratory stuff, there were some shenanigans, and Moxley had an opportunity to attack Omega after. There was some chicanery and cheating. Lance Archer came down to help out mock everybody. And then who would to come down after that? Who would come in in the shadows mask? If he's talked in the top of the show, Kenta. New Japan contracted Kenta. Beats Moxley. He is Moxley's rival in New Japan for the United States Championship. And it was announced shortly afterward, Kenny Omega is going to, quote, smooth things over with his old buddy, Kenta. And they're going to tag team against John Moxley and Lance Archer in the main event this Wednesday. Just crossed my head, does Archer join Bullet Club? I don't think so. I hope not. I'd like to see him be his own person at this point in time of his career. And I'd like to see him by himself and just be a badass Babyface kicks people's asses all the time. Big old Texan. But really great show. And again, it was the beginning. It was the confirmation of the beginning of something really, really special. So just strap in, folks. It's going to be a fun ride. Follow me at Real Steve Valley on Twitter. Follow me. Follow my page and the Vlad the Impaler's page. It's more his page because he does the typing thing and I do the talking thing. And check us out on Facebook. It has been a pleasure. I am looking forward to talking with you guys next week as we will review another AEW Dynamite episode. Probably won't match up to this one, but who knows? Kenta is in the main event. It is exciting to be an AEW fan, folks. It's exciting to be a New Japan fan, folks. Impact? Eh. I'm just kidding. A lot of great things ahead for real professional wrestling, folks, and there's nothing that you can do about it except sit back and watch it. The die is cast. The world is about to change as we know it in professional wrestling. And we can thank the invisible hand Don Callis and Kenny Omega for playing with us ants 
truly next level consciousness, folks. We'll see you next week for our High Spots and Cheap Pops Dynamite review. This is Silicon Steve Alley. We will talk to you guys next week.